3: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is Straight Fire with
0: Jason McIntyre.
4: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Thursday, May 5th. Hope everyone had a... Better Wednesday night than I did. Your boy had a rough night at the gambling office in the NBA. Worst night for me of the playoffs. It was a tough one. Uh, didn't get there with a couple prop bets. And then my Mavs, yes, my Mavs, got blown out in the fourth quarter. I mean, they pulled Luka with five minutes left. It was it was ugly. It was a beatdown. It was a great game for two and a half quarters, three quarters. But uh, we'll, we'll do NBA in a minute. I just want to tease today's interview and thank yesterday's guest, Dave Miller, the former NBA assistant coach, a lot of love for that podcast. Uh, I don't know if it was the Kobe stuff, the Chris Paul stuff, because I'm not a huge Chris Paul guy, or just the life lessons, but Dave Miller really brought it. If you missed that podcast yesterday, I highly suggest checking it out. Uh, Good stuff from Dave Miller. Today's guest is going to bring the noise and the funk as well. Danny Connell, you know him, former FSU quarterback, former New York Giants quarterback. I've worked. did some stuff with him at Fox Sports Radio, FS1. I really like the guy. Uh, Cannell's polarizing to some on social media. He's at CBS now. And we talked about one of my favorite stories currently in sports, outside of NBA and NFL, obviously, is the NIL situation in college football. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, and maybe not. Maybe you don't care. But for the longest time, we've wanted the players to get paid, right? And now they're getting paid, and it's like an arms race, And it's an arms race by boosters who has the most millions of dollars that can pluck this kid from there. And it's just, I love it. I love everything about the NIL discussion and it's multifaceted, right? It's not as easy as, Hey, just let it play out. It's like, there's fun stuff to talk about within the NIL debate from college basketball players saying, Hey, you guys just paid this guy 800,000 for two years. I was part of our Sweet 16 team. I need to get paid more or I'm out of here. Like that <laughs> that's never happened before. I don't think schools anticipated that. I, I you know, I know a lot of people are ringing, clutching their pearls and wringing their hands over this pit wide receiver situation. Guy wins the Bolitnikoff Award, best receiver in the country. Uh, eats thanks to Kenny Pickett, who's now in the league, and now he's transferring, and everybody's like, oh, how could you leave Pitt? Well, You know, like, really? You mean he's setting himself up for greener pastures down the road? What's wrong with that? And, you know, Danny's not totally on board with NIL yet, and I I think he's going to have to wake up. You know, I joke at the beginning that I've talked about the gambling gold rush in sports since I was writing for the big lead like five years ago gambling gold rush it's coming in sports if you're not on gambling you guys remember at the big lead i did nfl gambling picks against artie lang in like i don't know 2012 maybe it was like no no it was like 2009 it was way back back when he was on the howard stern show right before his many meltdowns and you know i knew a guy who uh represented artie and you know artie would send his picks to him and um you know I, i was a huge artie lang fan Um, and he was doing, you know, just, we would just pick against each other basically in NFL, but this was way, this was over a decade ago. And, you know, now it's like, everybody's talking gambling. Now, some of us have been doing it for a while. I think I, I've told you guys about my first Vegas trip. Uh, my mom had worked for a hotel chain and, you know, you get all these hookups and discounts. So we got one and they happened to have a nice place in Vegas. So me and a buddy went out there, I think it was junior year. And, you know, we it was it was awesome, you know, my first trip to Vegas and the the gambling was incredible. The sports books weren't as huge of a deal. This was like over 20 years ago. But I know we played a lot of roulette, obviously, young guy playing dumb games like roulette and the card games. It was awesome. And gambling has kind of been in my wheelhouse ever since. And I remember gambling on games Uh, as as soon as the internet came out, you know, you could gamble online, and you know, you find a local guy, and I'd love to do it. And it just, it's been something I've done for a long time. And now that you can make money off it working for real companies, it's pretty awesome. I think the same thing's happening with NIL right now. Like, we're only talking about the big stars getting paid, and eventually this is going to trickle down and you're going to have the third string wide receiver is going to be getting NIL money because you need depth. Injuries happen. Guys transfer. Uh, guys get kicked out of the, off the team. You need depth. Like Teams are going to start to get treated like NFL and NBA teams. Now the key is, and I talk about this with Danny, I am an owner of a uh, Australian basketball team in the NBL and a soccer team in Liga MX. And our team... Plays in the playoffs uh, Saturday, 345, big game, huge game, I'm fired up. What's cool is being in on the discussions where we've got to move on from the coach, this player's coming in, we want to target this guy, Can we? should we load this guy out? Like being in on these discussions is awesome, it's fun, it just feels cool. This is where, I love this, right? I'll never forget when the Breakers, the Australian basketball team, came to Memphis to play the Grizzlies a few years ago. I traveled from L.A. to Memphis for the game. And, you know, we're ha- I'm hanging out with the other owners. And after the game, we go out to dinner with the coach. And there's, like, high-level discussions happening about the team, about, like, the structure and the style. And it was – I mean, I was just sitting there as a sponge, just listening. And it was just, it was incredible. I loved it. And I'm like, I love this. Uh, would it be great if I could make a lot of money and then, like, be part of a front office for a team that I own? I mean, again – it's just soccer and and Australian basketball. It's not the NBA or NFL, but they, that's way down the road. But when you look at what's happening with the NIL, these boosters, they feel they are part of the front office. I like this three-star kid. I see, you know, he's a little young. I think if we throw money at him, we can get him. Here's what it's going to take. You know, they're becoming their own recruiting service. You know, the coaches and the program are obviously recruiting, but these boosters say... I like this guy a lot. I want to give my NIL money to this guy. And that stuff can happen. And how the coaches and the program handle it, because as we've seen at many schools, the boosters kind of sort of can run the show. That can happen. So this discussion is awesome. I hope you guys like it. I'm anticipating a lot of feedback. Briefly on the NBA, where both games were decided by 15 or more points, the Sixers kind of sort of look dead Uh, they're hopeful Joel Embiid can return by game three. James Harden just, we know he's a shell of himself. We know no need to beat him up even more. Tyrese Maxey kept it moderately interesting with 34 points, but their bench is incredibly thin. Like, Korkmaz played a lot. Matisse Theibel, 21 minutes, no shot attempts. Like, how do you play an NBA game for 21 minutes and not shoot the basketball? Danny Green, one of ten. Like, it was ugly for the Sixers. They're going to rebound at home. They can't play any worse. Let's see what happens in Philly. If the Heat can get game three, it's it's over. We know that series is over. It kind of sort of feels over right now. Um, ask for the nightcap. This got interesting, and I do believe we're going to hear some people bashing my main man, Luka Doncic, who, by the way, had 35-7-5. and 5. Kept them in it. They led after the—I I think they led it halftime by— Two, and Luca was just unbelievable, unstoppable. Putting people in a blender all first half, setting up his teammates. He was awesome. Again, they get nothing from Finney Smith. Jalen Brunson struggles three of twelve, and basically, Luka Doncic is like, okay, you know, Davis Bertans, can you hit a couple threes? And he could in the first half. Spencer Dinwiddie, can you make some shots? Sure, I can. And then the second half comes, and it's like if. It's not Luka or Reggie Bullock. They have nothing, and the Suns start to pull away. Third quarter, Devin Booker takes over. And then, as has been the case in the fourth, it is the Chris Paul show. Chris Paul, now about to turn 37 years old, I think today, tomorrow, one of those. And he basically saves his energy. I think he had something like seven points at halftime or a really low number. He wasn't doing much at halftime but he was saving it for the fourth quarter if they need it. And they didn't totally need it, but he took over in the fourth. And I'll say this, Chris Paul does not like, you saw this after game one, Chris Paul does not like all the props Luka's getting. In an interview afterward, I think it was Dave McMenamin mentioned Luka, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, they got a lot of good players over there. And he mentioned like whoever, and then mentioned Theo Pinson, who didn't even play. And, it was clear the message from Chris Paul was, Luca ain't nothing special. They got a lot of good guys over there. So what happened in the fourth quarter? They mercilessly had Chris Paul hunt Luka Doncic. Now we know Luka is going to wear down. He sets the table on offense. He led the NBA in time of possession. That means, you know, basically the point guard, right? James Harden usually does it. Usually Russell Westbrook back in his prime. But basically the point guard handles the ball a lot, setting up the offense. So once Luca is setting up the offense, he ain't going to be playing a lot of defense and he's not in great shape. We know that he's not, he's not fat and out of shape. He's just, he's not fat Luca, but he wasn't in, he's not in great shape and defensively doesn't move his feet. Well, you know, he's a European. He's not a great athlete. He's he's working in slow motion on offense and dominating. And it's one of those things where they decided every trip down the floor, give me Luca's guy. I'm Chris Paul. I'm putting him in a pick and roll. It happened like six, seven possessions in a row. And listen, Luca's not a great defender. We know this. And Chris Paul went at him every single time. And then Chris Paul scored on him a couple times and would start staring at the Suns' bench. And then he would start staring at the Mavericks' bench. He's not saying anything. He's just staring, letting it be known that I'm going at Luca. And it's one of those things, man. Folks. This Luca Doncic stuff. They, they, the people don't like that he's being crowned, and I'll never forget one of my big issues with Chris Paul. Again, yesterday's guest is good friends with him; they know him. I get it. One of my issues with Chris Paul was him going at Steph Curry in Houston a few years ago, Shimmied in his face when they went up th- when they were in the midst of going up three two. It was the great um, Steph Curry, Clay, and Kevin Durant team, and. James Paul, James 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 Harden and Chris Paul were having a great series, and they were bombing threes. And I'll never forget Chris Paul shimmied in his face. They go up three two, and I remember this because I was at a dinner on the beach, and I'm following the game on my phone. And i I tell my wife, you know, with another couple, I'm like, I, I listen, I got to run to the bar over there. I gotta watch this. I get to the bar, and there happen to be, you know, some Houston fans there, and I'm I'm based, I'm like rooting for Curry and company, and you know, he hits the shimmy and these guys start going crazy. And I'm just like, give me a break. Within a minute, Chris Paul, clutching his hamstring, done for the series. Do not tempt the basketball gods. Chris Paul learned his lesson. I know you guys are laughing. Oh, Jason, come on, give me a break. Listen, don't tempt the basketball gods. They are mean and cruel. Chris Paul busted his hamstring, Rockets collapse, and that was that. Now, here we are. A couple years later, Chris Paul's not saying what he really wants to say. He's biting his tongue. Because he knows at any moment, 37-year-old, he can fall apart. And, oh, by the way, Luka's going to get him in Dallas. They will. They will. They'll come back. This is not over. I know it feels like it's over. It's not over. Dallas has to decide how are they going to handle the attacking Luka every possession. Well, we've seen this with Steph Curry and the Warriors. They want to hunt Curry. LeBron famously did it in the finals. Curry was up for the challenge sometimes. Other times not. Other times... They would hand—Curry would hand off his defender, who was going—would uh, hand off who he was guarding instead of going to the screen, and they would do a switch on the fly. Dallas can do that. Eventually, Dallas settled, okay, we can trap Chris Paul. Okay, we can have Luka stay back in a zone. That's a little dangerous with Booker as a three-point shooter, and he's hitting parking lot three. So Dallas has some stuff to figure out. No doubt about it. No doubt. They will— Come back in the series. It's not over. Only only Phoenix Suns fans think this is over. It ain't not over. Trust me, it ain't not. I can barely speak this morning. Suns improved to 52-0 and when leading after the third quarter. Hey, Dallas, may want to get a lead heading into the fourth. Okay? Just might want to. Um, all right, that's enough on the NBA. It's time for our guest, CBS Sports' Danny Cannell.
5: You know a
0: guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
4: I know what sports fans want.
1: But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
4: Well, let's welcome Into Straight Fire. He's been a guest before, former NFL quarterback, former college football legend. Uh, He coaches middle school golf in his spare time. He's on TV with CBS. He does everything. I mean, is there a job you don't have, Danny Connell? Not
6: many, man. I got a lot of mouths to feed. I got three daughters, so I got three uh, college tuitions to look ahead for. I got three weddings to look out for. I got mouths to feed, man. So
4: the more I can do, the better. You know what I'm saying? I'm hustling out here. You got to stay hustling in those streets. Well, maybe you could start an NIL fund for FSU. You and a couple guys. That seems to be the coolest thing to do now. Matt Leinart out here with USC, Brady Quinn in Notre Dame. I mean, Danny Cannell in FSU, you got something cooking, right?
6: I've talked to them. I actually... uh, I'll probably pass on that. I'll wait and see. I'm going to let the dust settle. I'm going to let the dust settle a little bit because I think a lot of these collectives, NFTs, uh, nonprofits, 501c3s, I think you could see potentially some changes coming where it might be a little bit tougher. I mean, the NCAA just came out, said they're going to try to start this task force to make sure there's no, uh, impropriety going on, but I kind of, I don't want to rush. I'm going to be the first I want to let everybody else see what's going on. And then maybe I'll hop into the fray and, uh, it, in a little bit. So it, it hasn't like been an, a year, Jace. That's what's it, crazy. It has yeah. not even been a year of NIL and we're already where we are, where people are losing their minds.
4: Yeah. The, it feels like the NIL gold rush, similar to yes. the gambling gold rush in sports media, but you know, the NCA, Danny is like turning the Titanic to make decisions. So I mean, they say we're going to look into it. Okay, well, we'll, we'll hear what you got to say three years from now. Uh, and Mark Emmert's leaving, right, or stepping down or something. So, yep. you know, there's just so much. It feels like if you're not in on the action now, you're kind of missing out. But, Danny, I want to zoom out big picture. Is what's happening now with recruiting and the transfer portal, is this that different than was happening five years ago? Um, No,
6: except okay. it's out in the open, which – I thought would be a good thing. I thought because I was pro NIL. I've been pro NIL the whole long, the whole time along. Like, I don't think it's American that you could say to a player, you know, a Johnny Manziel who won the Heisman Trophy before he left, a Tim Tebow before he graduated no, you guys cannot make money. You are you know as a Heisman Trophy winner there is a massive opportunity and that was just the biggest biz, biggest example that was out there. There are plenty of guys who are brands. Trevor Lawrence was a brand at Clemson for three years. I mean, his freshman year he won the national championship. So I didn't think it was very American to say, no nah, you guys can't do an autograph signing, you can't have a local car dealership. you can't have uh, you know there's no way you can make any money. So I was pro Nil because I thought you know what if a player is built a brand, we should let him be able to market himself, make some extra money on the side, even if it's a lot of money because that we've seen a lot of money's out there. The issue has been, I think, that it is not um, anything about your brand, your marketability. It is all about paying for play, which is not what this is supposed to be about. And that's the... And I think that's why people are losing their minds because it has gone on forever. You're right. In recruiting, I mean, the SEC built its dominance based on bag men and McDonald's bags full of cash for the past 20 years. But now that it's out in the open, I thought being out in the open would bring everybody above board. Everybody would kind of have to respect the the name, image, and likeness rules that were out there. But quickly, we've seen teams are daring, daring the NCAA to say, what are you going to do? And no one is like, and the NCAA isn't do, like, they're trying to start this task force, but this is going to go to the courts and they'll probably lose against. So there's not really yeah. anything to do about it.
4: So, so we're going to focus on college football. But Danny, you saw the story last week about the college basketball player at Miami, uh, Wong, who was good in the tournament. I, I bet against them twice and lost and whatever. He, he basically saw that they recruited a guy and were going to pay him $800,000, a Kansas State basketball player. And he said, well, wait a minute. You're paying him more than me? I was a part of a Sweet 16 team. I'm out of here unless you ante up. Now, we haven't seen that in college football that I'm aware of, but uh, Danny, like that, that sets an awkward precedent of a what, 19, 20-year-old coming out and saying, pay me more than that other guy you just paid. College
6: basketball and football players have more leverage than any professional athlete out there. They have more leverage than an NFL player. They have more leverage than an NBA player because they're not under contract. Yeah. The, the, an NBA player can hold out, He can, you know, which is essentially what these players are doing, but they are bound to the, to honor their contract. If they don't honor their contract, the team, the club, the organization could say, well, we're not going to pay you for a year. Like Le'Veon Bell, remember, he, he decided to sit out an entire year. With college athletes, with a free transfer, a player could say, Like a player, Isaiah Wong could say, I'm not playing for Miami. And if you don't pay me, I'm leaving and I'm going to go play somewhere else. And there is nothing that's holding him back from doing that. So he used his power to do that. And all these players are doing, he's not the only one that has done that. There have been several examples of players. Probably the most prominent one is a guy named Amarius Mims, a five-star offensive tackle from Georgia. Now he's a lineman. That's why not many people know about him. Uh Miami, he entered the transfer portal. He was a five-star at Georgia who had played a little bit entered the transfer portal, Miami and Florida State got heavily involved in the recruiting process. And guess what happened? He ended up going back to Georgia, to Athens. Do you think that was all about him just not liking his options and wanting to go back to win another national championship? No. Georgia matched the offers that were out there and probably even upped them. So he went back to Athens to go back to there. So it's happened not as out in the open. Now, Isaiah Wong had a representative on his behalf kind of negotiating, saying he's not that going back. Yeah. This like, one, happened, like a the media. Yeah, this one happened a little bit more. Yeah, this one happened a little bit more under the radar. But I mean, and that's that case and the Jordan Addison from Pitt to USC are probably mm. the two tipping points where yeah. I think a lot of people started to kind of lose their mind and say, wait a second, we need to just take a step back and see if this is best for college football. Because in the case of Isaiah Wong, there's a billion. I don't know if he's a billionaire or not. He likes to call himself a billionaire. Yeah. There's a very wealthy booster from Miami named John Ruiz, very successful businessman. Yes. He tweeted out the deal. Of the Kansas State player made it public for the first time. We've seen it that glaringly in your face, announcing his deal was you know eight hundred thousand, four hundred thousand a year for two years and a car. And everybody saw that, including Isaiah Wong. And he went back to the table. So that and the Jordan Addison case, I think, why people are very concerned about just how quickly this has devolved into just pay for play.
4: The crazy thing about Addison, the kid from Pitt, and I haven't seen a resolution yet, but the rumors out there for what USC was offering the Bolitnikoff Award winner. Now, he played with Kenny Pickett last year. Kenny Pickett, Obviously, in the NFL now. So the idea that he wasn't going to transfer is a little silly. Like, everybody wants him, and you want to go play for a better quarterback? You want to go play in Lincoln-Riley system? Like, th- I'm not a huge shock by that. But the idea that, oh, we're offering him a house and all this stuff. Like, Danny, I am pro player, but eventually the trickle-down is going to work in this, right? The top guys will get the houses and the cars and the $500,000. The next-tier guys and the next-tier guys. So is it, is, it that, is it really that much of a problem?
6: Yes, because of the and here's the problem. We're in this purgatory period because I do think we're going to a place where college football and basketball players will be at a place where they'll be employees. They'll be paid. They'll be paid big salaries. I think we'll get to that place. And I think the football might lead the way. They have more incentive. Their contracts for the TV rights are coming up pretty soon. It's an easier break because the college football playoff is the college football is already not run by the NCAA. The college football playoff is its own entity. It's its own business. And that's who runs the college football playoff. College basketball is a little bit more bogged down because the NCAA has the TV deal directly. They run the NCAA tournament. But I think we'll get to a place where college football players are and there'll be different divisions. That's the thing. I think we'll see a split off. We'll see maybe the top. I've heard Mike Gundy said 30. Dabo Sweeney said 40 to 50. You know, other coaches have kind of used different numbers of how many teams are going to be a part of this new league conference, whatever you want to call it. And those will be basically minor league professional football players that we'll see in the future. Because the one thing I think that's an issue with Jordan Addison, by the way, I talked to Pat Narduzzi, the head coach at Pitt, the week before. This all blew up. It was Wednesday of last week. The news came out Friday. And I asked him, I said, how much did it bother you that players or teams were coming after Jordan Addison after the season? And he said it was incredibly frustrating. He said there were 10 to 12 schools that all were coming after him. He said, but we resolved that. <laughs> I took that to mean he you know, had assurances from Jordan Addison, had NIL deals in place where he was, you know, Jordan Addison felt like he was going to go back there. And clearly, Pat Narduzzi did not see this coming. That's why he called Lincoln Riley, and I'm sure there was some you know colorful language called when he was accusing Lincoln Riley of tampering and stealing a player off his roster, which I do think happened. Maybe not from Lincoln directly, but from some representatives from USC wanting Jordan Addison out there. So here's the problem I have with it, because a lot of fans are saying, well, what's the difference? Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to go to a better job at USC for more money. Why can't a player?
0: Yeah.
6: Pitt is left with nothing. That's the thing. That's the problem. So Oklahoma gets a four and a half million dollar buyout. They get money and they get a cash buyout from USC. Pitt did spend a lot of capital developing Jordan Addison as a high school player. He was not a heavily, you know, not a five star guy. You know, I think he was like a three star recruit. They developed him. They built mm-hmm. him in. They, you know, provided him, you know, housing. They provided him food, They've nutrition, strength and training, football training they invested a lot into Jordan Addison. And what do they get in return? Jack squat. Well, okay. That's the thing I think needs to happen where if he leaves, they need to be compensated or we need to go to a place where they really are professionals. And Jordan Addison would be under contract to pit. And he would have to stay there because just like professionals do, once you're under contract, you have to stay at the place you're under contract with
4: right but isn't this no different than a late bloomer right danny like you were a big time recruit coming out when bobby bowden is in his prime and he locks up somebody you know everybody knows we can't get him we're not we no no point But let's say you had an an East Carolina come in, right? And then all of a sudden your senior year is incredible and the big boys start circling and they come in. Like, do you want to go to USC or UCLA or, uh, I don't know, Michigan? Or do you want to go to East Carolina? And some kids will say, you know what? They were on me first. I trust them. I'm going to stick with them. And others are going to say, holy cow, I can play in the big house on TV. Like, I got to go there. Like, isn't this basically that? all The same thing just with more money involved?
6: First of all, I'll say this Pitt is coming off an ACC championship and they played a new year's six game, So it's not like they're small time football. They're big time football. The other thing, the instance that you're talking about is what happens in amateur sports. Now, if you want to go back to the student athlete (laughs) model, that's what happens. But for instance, what about a case where in the NFL, if a player is drafted in the sixth or seventh round and he develops, what does he have to do? He has to wait for free agency. He has to wait for his opportunity. He can't just bounce after one rookie year that's incredible, go take the highest bidder and say, yeah, I'm going to go play for the Kansas City Chiefs because I want to play with Patrick Holmes and they're going to pay me $50 million guaranteed. He has to wait his turn. Now, with no that's why I was referring to college players have more leverage than any professional player, any NFL player. That we see currently the way the system is set up because there's nothing blocking Jordan Addison from do that. There's no system in place. And until we get that system, which I don't think it's going to happen very soon, as you mentioned, nothing happens quickly in this business. This is the way it's going to be. And that to me is a bad place for college football. Because you're seeing a lot of fans, like imagine being a Pitt fan. I know it's awesome if you're a USC fan and it's great. And I want USC to be good. I think it'd be great if USC Better, makes Yeah. I think if they make the playoff this year, it's awesome. Pitt made the ACC championship game last year. Nobody cared. Like it's not that big of a deal. First time, ever, team. Right? But yeah. the first so time ever, right? Yeah. I, so I totally understand it from that standpoint. But like, what if it happens? And it's happened already. We've seen players leave Georgia, leave Alabama. But what does it do the programs that have no protection that they maybe did find a diamond in the rough and they don't get to keep them? They're just going to bounce from there to the next. Now, maybe that happens and we get to this place where these 40 or 50 schools break off and they're professionals. And some players go, let's just say it's kind of the remaining, the group of five teams. Let's say somebody goes to a Nevada. I'm trying to think of just any team. That's probably not going to be a San Diego state. Let's say they play there and they're really good. They might get plucked from that roster and elevated and paid to go to USC, Georgia, Alabama, one of those schools. But that system isn't in, place, isn't in place right now. And what I'm worried about is during the next three, five, ten years that we're in this limbo, the damage it could do to a lot of college football fan bases like a Pitt fan, um, you know, a Mississippi State fan. Uh, an okay. Arizona State right. fan. you know, like Just pick your school that's kind of outside, not the perennial powerhouses of college football, where they'll just be like,
4: why should I root for my team if my player's just going to bounce
6: as soon as they have a good year?
4: Sounds like the Miami Marlins in Major League Baseball or one of those teams that don't spend.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside.
5: mo play.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: Let's stay with Addison. Let's drill down for a second. Okay. So, if you're Pitt and you see Addison blowing up last year with Pickett and he's becoming a star, internally don't you guys don't you say to your staff, "Hey guys, um, we might have to re-recruit him to keep him here. That's how well he's playing. Also, our star quarterback going to the league. Think about this. If you're uh, Addison's dad, and you say, damn, he was a Bolitnikoff Award winner with Kenny Pickett, monster year, and now Pickett's leaving. Now, I haven't looked at the depth chart, the offensive line. Uh, it's going to be a tough going for Addison next year. His NFL stock could drop if the next quarterback's not awesome. If I'm Pitt, I had to anticipate all this stuff, and I'll, I'll add this next layer. Like, you know, this could be a big deal. Blue chip for pit, right? Hey, young receivers out there, we're gonna pick you two and three star guys, turn you into Addisons the way we did with Addison, even though he left us, we can do that for you, and you can still find diamonds in the rough and make them stars. You no, know? so this you can spin it in a positive way if you're pit, right?
6: I mean, you gotta try. It really you doesn't feel to. positive. Yeah, you have to. And I then they were re-recruiting him and they were talking to him. I mean, that was the deal when the season ended. They had a lot of conversations and a lot of schools were coming after him and they thought they had closed that door. That's why this task force, I I wouldn't be nervous at all because I think in the courts they have no chance. But all this news broke before Jordan Addison technically had entered the transfer portal. Now, you're not allowed to talk to players Mm -hmm. until they're absolutely in the transfer portal. So there's some real gray area there, and it happens with everybody. It happens across the board. But I'll throw this back at you because I hear you saying, oh, this is great. This is good for Jordan Addison. When you do the same thing, wouldn't his best move be to skip this year and go to the pros, go to the NFL and make the big guaranteed money and start the clock on his NFL career? Like, I think so that's you a mean, solution. You
4: mean skip this season?
6: Well, yeah, absolutely. But he can
4: make money. He can make he can. money at USC.
6: He can. But what if he? Yeah. What if his stock drops? What if he gets hurt? What if the money's you know pennies compared to what he could have made as a top ten pick next year in the draft? Oh, that's so fair. that's the like the one of the thing that I think a lot of people are asking is how do we get to this place? And clearly the NCAA dropped this ball big time, and they thought the courts would rule in their favor, and they could not have been more wrong. What I've been saying for about five or six years is because we've heard a lot of complaining. These players are exploited. They're not making any money. Uh, they're used. They're spit out. And I've been like, you're right. You're like, let's find a way. My solution has always been for the NCAA. Fine. Tell players if they don't like the system, they can go pro anytime they want. I think that would have solved a lot of the a lot wow. of the problem we're in from the people complaining, saying, "Oh, you're exploiting
4: them." No, we're not. If you don't like it, go pro as soon as you want. You could turn pro now, one year, two years. That's dangerous, though, Danny. I mean, Why? if you say turn pro after one or two years, I mean, if you go to Alabama, are you leaving after one or two years? If you go to Georgia, are you leaving after one or two years? If you're good, all those guys are they physically ready? A lot of these kids aren't. In the NBA, it's different. The punishment in football, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, players let, after let me, one year would okay. be ready.
6: Some it'd be a rarity, but that's supposed to be the rare. best of the best. It is supposed to be rare to go to the NFL.
4: Yeah, Um, let me let me I got a text from someone on the East Coast about this. Uh, Now, I don't know if this story, how accurate it is. Penn State's recruiting a kid. They are, you know, they have their little groups of NIL people. USC gets in the mix of the player and starts telling them that they can be background actors in TV shows, movies, extras. And they're throwing millions of dollars, not obviously millions, probably thousands of dollars. If you are UCLA, all of a sudden you hear this. You're like, oh, we could do that. Now, USC has a renowned film school. They got a lot of connections in the industry. Easy money there, right? I don't know if you're in the Big Ten or the ACs. Like, how do you even counter that? Like, that's a humongous edge for Lincoln Riley and USC. Huge, if, assuming this is real and happening.
6: Totally agree. I think there's two schools, and we just saw Miami – the Fresno State basketball. I think it's the Cavender twins. Oh, oh I've
4: heard about them. Yeah,
6: you know, heard, I I don't know if don't I'm getting their name hundred percent right, but they were at Fresno State. They just signed with Miami to play basketball. Yes, I think Miami and LA are very unique markets. One for the Hollywood aspect, and you do have a lot of connections there. You could be background actors. Shoot, you might get a a, a small role in some movies yeah. because of the connections that USC has to the film industry, and in Miami. You've got a very unique spot where, you know, if you want to be an influencer, South Beach, Miami, very, you know, the mm-hmm. Kardashians, whatever you want to pick to build your brand, it's a great backdrop for it. So those schools have some very unique opportunities where they can sell where Tallahassee, where I went to school, it is, you know, what are you going to sell the capital? You know, like I mean, there's, <laughs> there's good looking girls. That's about it. You know, uh, Happy Valley, what, Ann Arbor, Michigan, like good luck trying to sell anybody other than just straight cash. So I do think they have a unique capability of some sales pitches that will attract players from all over the place. I think Oregon, I think, uh, you know, the, the Nike, and that Nike, was one thing yeah. Kayvon Thibodeau referenced why he went to Oregon over Alabama was the Phil Knight connection, being able to build something like that. Maybe they'd sell. If there's a player that's big enough, I guarantee you, they'd say, sure, we'll make your own shoe. If there's a player that is that big, they would do that to lure them to Oregon. So I think every school has to be looking at what makes them unique, what's that makes them set apart because at some point, a lot of these bigger schools, they'll all be able to pull together about the same money, whether it's five million, 10 million. I mean the most I've heard so far is the player that's going to Tennessee that's going to make eight million over three years. And he hasn't even played a snap yet, but eight what million position? over uh, eight he's a mil? Yeah, eight mil. If you Google eight million dollars, Tennessee Falls quarterback. I think his name is Via uh, <laughs> I'm the Amale, I think, is his name. A Hawaiian uh, is, he, from is he Cali. from Cali?
4: Family? Oh, from Cali. He's from so Cali. Tennessee yeah, plucked him eight mil.
6: Yeah, and Jeez. so now, and he's only a junior. He says like he's still got his senior year of high school to go. Oh
4: man. Well, the wait a money. second, Danny. We just saw that with the kid from Texas who went exactly. to Ohio State. Got all this money. And then he's transferring out.
6: Exactly. Now, the unique thing in California, you can collect that money in high school. In Texas, you couldn't, which is why he reclassified, went to Ohio State, redshirted. Now he's back in Texas, getting Uh a double bag, essentially. And good for him. He just took advantage of the system. But I do wonder, the only thing I wonder, at what point do collectives, boosters, businesses, Hollywood industry... Do they realize, because there's going to be busts. I mean, look at the NFL draft. We just had 32, you know, whatever. How many guys draft in the first round? We just saw, you know, you'll see probably half of those, maybe 40% will be busts. Guys that aren't as good as we thought. Yeah. At what point do businesses, collectives, do they get tired of paying players that haven't proven it yet? Now, Jordan Addison is a unique animal. He's already proven it. So I think they're always, I think that might be the bigger market. The players coming out of high school I wonder if the risk is too much, but I don't, nothing surprised me in college football with the desire to win and what boosters will do if they're hungry enough to feel like that player is going to make the
4: difference. There's so many layers to this. So you know that I've invested in like an Australian basketball team and a Mexican soccer team. And I'll be honest, it is super cool to be on the inside hearing, Hey, we're going to move on the coach. And we're looking at this player in the transfer market and like being on the ground level. That's awesome. It feels great. I wonder if these boosters are starting to feel like NFL front offices. Like if you're a Tennessee booster and you're in that collective, you say, hey, you know what? We can't get this guy because he's going to Michigan or Ohio State. But if we overpay this guy, we can probably steal him. Like they almost feel like they're NFL front offices. Do they not?
6: Yes. And I hate that about it. Ah. It's annoying. So John Ruiz is the guy from Miami. Go look at him on Twitter. I mean, he thinks he's an NFL owner. And he's exactly. out there tweeting every move and he feels like he's a part of something and good for him. But there will be conflicts because of this, just like there are conflicts in owners and front offices, but there's no official relationship. So, what happens when the booster, you know, whatever billionaire booster it is? Let's say Tennessee's example. Let's say there's a collective, they pulled together this money to have this kid come in, a high school quarterback, and he's going to come to Tennessee. What if Josh Heupel, the coach of Tennessee, sees this player is like, man, he's a long way from playing, but the boosters they're like, wait a second, we paid 8 yeah. million dollars. We want him to start. We want him to start now. Yeah. There will be pressure on Josh Heupel to play that player. What does that dynamic look like when those boosters are probably the same people that can buy out Josh Heupel's contract, send him back in if they want to? It's there is going to be some really uncomfortable situations that unfold from this. And we're just seeing a couple of them yeah. now, and we're just getting started. Like we said, it's only eight months out that we've been in this era. We are just getting started with the type of things you, we're going to well, see.
4: I don't know why you hate that. You're not the coach. You don't have to worry about it. Now, it, the coach does have to worry, but this has got to be a new thing for coaches. Like, given what happened with Tennessee, uh, who was it again? Shiano from Rutgers, and like, that Tennessee fan base is a bunch of crazy fools. Like, They're I don't want to get anywhere near. I don't, you don't want to get near those morons. That being said, we haven't really talked about the biggest aspect, Danny actually playing the sport and we saw Spencer Rattler and again you know everybody had him he's gonna win the Heisman he's gonna be the number one pick Spencer Rattler is you know evidence a for NIL caution because I don't know if it got to him the money the outside forces but he was not anything close to what he was the year prior he gets benched and then he transfers listen so that's a quarterback okay what happens when it's a wide receiver like you said he has four drops and he gets benched like You're not going to lose the NIL money, but that pressure from the fans, social media, NIL money, your scholarship. Like, Danny, this is a lot for 18, 19, 20-year-olds.
6: It is, and that's one of those consequences I worry about. Like what? what, Because I, I notice it as an analyst. I've always treated college football players differently than NFL. You know, you're a little bit harder on NFL players because they're getting paid millions of dollars. Well, these are student-athletes. They're just trying to do their best, so you might go a little bit easier on some of your criticisms. Last year, I definitely noticed across the board, people were a little bit harsher on guys like Spencer Rattler specifically because guys making you know millions of bucks and like word of caution, Spencer Rattler put down an entire season that was pretty good and we thought he was going to be great. Then he wasn't. He gets beat by Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams played less than Spencer Rattler last year. Like I think Caleb Williams is going to be great. I think he's going to flourish in uh, Lincoln Riley's system. But if if it's not Caleb Williams, it might be somebody else. Maybe it's Jordan Addison. Maybe maybe he had a great chemistry and a great system that just doesn't work. There will be players that don't work out, but they'll be paid handsomely because uh, you know because they've already got that bag, they've already secured it, which I that's that's a good thing. So I'm torn on this because I yeah. I I I worry about the overall health of the sport. Like the, I'm passionate about college football. I love college football. I want it to keep the momentum it's had because I really feel like it's been in its golden era. But I think from a lot of fans, I think they're concerned about, and maybe it's something where they relate. Maybe it's kind of corny, like, oh, that's a student. I was a student. We were late. We went to the same university. We had the same struggles. But there are a lot of fans that are feel like they're thrown thrown in the towel. Do they actually probably not? I hope they stick around because Saturdays come around. I think we'll still get the same product on the field. But uh, the, there was a massive difference when I went from college to the NFL as far as the locker room. College, guys cried after a loss. You had players in the locker room who played just because they loved football. They knew they had no chance at the NFL. They just wanted to play football. All of a sudden, you go to the professional leagues. Players pay. They punch in. They punch out. We lose. Yeah. Ah, my check's still going to clear. I worry a little bit about that mindset creeping in, but... It's kind of the, one of those consequences that we get now that yeah. some of this money is being dispersed around.
4: Now, now listen, uh, and the ratings for, in, on TV, I know people, who cares about the ratings? Listen, the college football TV ratings, especially for the playoff, have gone down significantly over the last decade. I know and People are going to say, who cares? Attendance is way down, yes. But the ratings dictate the new TV deal. Now, you did say the new TV deal is coming up. Obviously, there's still going to be big money there. But is it going to continue growing? Or as you said, is the sport going to start to you know is maction? Does that even matter anymore, Danny? Uh, Wednesday night maction. Who who cares? I, I personally don't watch it. Occasionally right. gamble on it, but <laughs> right. we're starting. You know, I mean, we're starting to get to like a college basketball where maybe ten to twelve teams matter, right?
6: Well, we're already. I think we've already been there the last six or seven years. I mean, if you looked at some of the odds from Vegas, there are only four teams this year that people are really giving a chance to win the national championship <laughs> to. But I think we'll see a split. And I think we'll st- I think we'll see a professional and we'll see a true student amateur model going forward. Like and when it happens, I don't know. But
4: but our uh, true student amateur. What does that even mean?
6: Like you play for a scholarship. Like you're happy with a scholarship. I want to go. I want to get my education paid for. I'll have a nice stipend. I will get a scholarship. Where and then some leagues you will see. I think one league probably, maybe. But it's a super league or a super conference. Will be employees. Do they even have to go to class or are they just do they just wear Alabama, Georgia, USC on their chest and they're affiliated loosely with the school? Maybe they go to class, maybe they don't, but they are true employees of the school. I think that is not crazy to think that that is what's coming, but I still think there will be a place where, and it probably is the uh, the Mac, a Maction or a Mountain West or uh, you know, Sunbelt, somewhere like that, where there are still amateur student athletes, players playing just for a scholarship and that's it. No money. And maybe there are true NIL deals there where the player, you know, has a nice year at UAB in Birmingham. He gets some deal at the car dealership, but the majority of his college football experience is I'm getting in return. I'm getting the education and free food and board, and that'll be good enough for that person.
4: If you are a guy like, we'll just keep using Addison, the pit receiver as an example. Do you tell him, Hey man, you got a lot going on. You got a potential NFL future. You need to focus on football and keep getting better let your parents manage your NIL stuff. Let one of your best friends who think can be a money man who's not going to rob your ass. You know, like that seems like it's going to be a new, basically position going forward. Do you have a business guy so it doesn't distract you from the actual thing that matters that's going to get you to the league?
6: Yes. And if I was a parent, I would be telling Jordan Addison or anybody else, this is great. Financially, you're able to put something away. But if your main goal is to maximize your earning potential, the best way to do that is to be the best football player you can be and be on the best team you can be in, in the best situation where you receive the best coaching. I do think some players are going to make some mistakes because they're just going to follow the money. And I heard Deion Sanders say that the other day. Like it's it's You have to be very well-informed, well-educated. You have to have the connections. You have to have the right people giving you that advice, whether it's your parents, whether it's an agent, because once you do have an agent on your behalf, they have... They have skin in the game, too. So they are going to get a cut. So they might try to steer you away just for the money when there might be a situation with a better coaching staff or a better system in place to help you prepare for the next career. And we've all been there. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, you know, find a job that you love that you would do for free when there's a job out there that might pay you a ton of money. That maybe it's not the most enjoyable, but you're going to make the most money. Because being on a team in a locker room, I've been in good locker rooms and bad locker rooms. And it's not much fun. Even though you're in an NFL, being in some bad locker rooms where the team chemistry wasn't great, it reflects on the performance. So you need to make sure all of it is coming into play, not just the bottom line and going for the biggest
0: dollar. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats.
1: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerackcom Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerackcom Colin. Tirerack.com the way tire buying should be. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
4: All right. We'll wrap up here with quickly uh, 2023 NFL drafts. I know it's a year in advance, Danny. Nobody cares. Actually, everybody cares. Uh, if you ask me how my draft is doing at Fox Sports, I'll tell you it's the number one clicker on the site. Okay. Uh, quarterbacks. I'll just rattle off a couple. You tell me your thoughts if if you think they are, have a good year and up in the first round. CJ Stroud, I think the consensus number one, right? He is. Bryce Young is in the conversation, but
6: Bryce Young, I stood next to him on the field at Indianapolis at the championship game. He is small, like frame, small frame. Under six? He's probably about six, but more skinny. Like that was the thing I was blown away by was he's not – like Russell Wilson is small, but he's big. Even Baker Mayfield was shorter, but he was big. Bryce Young needs to put on a few LBs. For that reason, I think C.J. Stroud has the slight lead, and he is going to have some tools around him this year. The number is going to be insane. So I would say, I would, but I would say those two, I think we'll be having okay. a debate similar to what we had with Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. Uh, Will Leavis Kentucky? I'm not a believer yet. I think he okay. potentially, I think people are looking for the next Kenny Pickett. And if he has a great year, I think he could be like, I think he could play himself into the first round. He's physically, he's got the skill set. He needs to back it up with the film before I'm ready to put yeah. him in the top 10.
4: Now, this is the most divisive guy. People are so upset that I put him in the first round. Uh, DJ from Clemson. He was bad last year, okay? Uh, he was, but you know recruiting, Danny. This guy was the the bomb coming out of high school. And he was like 6'4", strapped, maybe 6'5", like 235, filled in for Trevor Lawrence, and was, was excellent in that Notre Dame game, I think 400 yards. And everybody's like, oh, he's the next can't miss. They were bad last year. He struggled. Uh, I, your thoughts on, on DJ going forward?
6: His confidence was rattled last year. And a lot of that, it's not all his fault. Like Clemson's offensive line wasn't as good. Their play calling wasn't as great. The talent around him wasn't as good. He started against Georgia. That was his first game. Had a pick six. And I really think that derailed his confidence. If he gets his confidence back and they give him a run game, I think he could play himself back into the conversation because of his physical skill set. But right now, I need to see him. I'm worried if he doesn't play well early, There's a five-star on the team, Cade Klubnick, who might take his job. It's that dicey Uh, for him because because of the way the year unfolded. It was not great for DJ, but physical skill set it absolutely could be a first-rounder.
4: Yeah, he could go the Spencer Rattler route, right? Um, Yeah. Who was like, can't miss, and and then fumbled. All right, Anthony Richardson, Florida Gators. Uh, I I think the chart is 77 dropbacks, so we haven't seen a lot of them. But I'll tell you this: the guys I text around the league for mock drafts love the potential for Richardson. Six four, two thirty five. Um, like he has a you can great, do a backflip like, standing. Like he can do a backflip yes.
6: standing. He's he's a freak. Last year, a couple times when he did play, you saw his running capability. He had a couple big. They they drew up some QB draws. He had like an 80 yard run. He he was very very raw last year, and they actually threw him in against Georgia. I don't know if you remember Georgia. They were playing Georgia. I think it was three nothing right before the half. He had like a costly pick six, and then he fumbled yeah. in the red zone, gave Georgia t- seven points the other way. He was it was way too early to throw him in there. But I like Billy Napier. Billy Napier last year had a similar quarterback, nowhere near as talented Le- Levi Lewis, who he developed. I think he's got the right coach that could mm-hmm. develop him. And the raw talent is there. He's a five-star coming out, all everything. And I think if they put him in good position, he could be a guy that could really pop this year.
4: All right, two more. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami Hurricanes. Uh, see, people seem a little bullish on him. Looked pretty good last year. Uh, Miami QB, your thoughts?
6: I thought he was phenomenal. I thought if Manny Diaz would have started him from week one, Manny Diaz might still be the coach. I mean, he was 24 Ooh. touchdowns, six interceptions, as a true freshman, came in, showed a lot of poise, a lot of composure. He's got a cannon. He's one of the guys, I'm surprised, hasn't been higher on some of these lists. I'm very bullish Ooh. on Tyler Van Dyke. TVD, they're okay. calling him down there. Yeah. Uh,
4: TV what? TVD? TVD,
6: Tyler Van Dyke. That, yeah.
4: That sounds kind of cool. Uh, all right, and finally, yeah. uh, Phil Jerkovic, uh, Boston College, Notre Dame transfer, six um, five, looks the part. It, the scouting report on him is, man, if this guy can get out of his own head, he's going to be dynamite, but... We'll, we'll see. What do you think of uh, Jerkovic? If he could get out of his own head, but also he was hurt
6: last year, BC's got to give him a little better support. And that's the one thing I concern about him. BC doesn't have the type of talent that you know a guy like Caleb Williams is going to have at USC. Bryce Young's going to have at Alabama. CJ Stroud is going to have at Ohio State. So that's my concern from him. But one of the reasons Jeff Halfley and BC have kind of tapped this thing turning around in large part is because of Phil Dracovic. He's got the physical skill set to go as it's to go toe to toe with his as as well as anybody. BC's got to give him a little bit of help around him so that he can show up on tape, not just be out there. Because if you're five and seven, it's tough to catch the scout's eyes. You've got to win a lot of times.
4: All right. He's Danny Connell, CBS Sports, a good father, a good uh husband. I mean, I see this guy everywhere. He's just a nice I hope so. good golfer. <laughs> How good of a golfer are you, by the way? Not bad. Yeah, bad. Yeah, that's, that's a humble guy. No, I'm not bad, you know. <laughs> All right, Danny. Uh, thanks for the time, man. Take it easy.
0: You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
5: Sumo Play.